Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Welcome to The Broad Experience. I'm Ashley Milne-Tite. This time on the show, white men and how they can help boost equality in the workplace, and one non-white woman's experience of being one of very few people like her at a mostly white, male-dominated company. I very often felt that I either didn't know the rules or I was breaking them. You know, like I was speaking out of turn or I had ideas above my station. First, Catalyst, the nonprofit that advocates for women in business, recently released a study on how white men who've been through training can help create a happier, more inclusive workplace. The men in the study work for a company called Rockwell Automation in Wisconsin. Catalyst found, among other things, the diversity training they went through had made the men far more likely to be open to other points of view. They also found there was much less workplace gossip at the firm, as problems were now addressed more openly rather than whispered about in corridors. Still, the idea of attending three days of sensitivity training, as these guys did, is bound to make some people cringe even hearing about it. I spoke to Janine Prime, research director at Catalyst. You mentioned the eye-rolling aspect of this, and I was going to say, I bet you that there will be people listening to this who will do exactly that. How do you get around diversity fatigue? I think the diversity fatigue comes from the fact that We've been working at this for a long time and um, have been feeling in many organizations that we're just not making progress. Another problem, she says, is over the years, white men have ended up feeling they're getting the blame for a lot of what isn't working for women or minorities. That causes defensiveness and resentment and nothing changes. That's why she's so interested in the findings from her study of Rockwell's training sessions. The sessions were run by a firm called White Men as Full Diversity Partners. Lee Shantz is a vice president at Rockwell. He admits he wasn't too excited at the prospect of taking part. For me... It's, you know, here it is, I think I've been doing the right thing my whole life. And in fact, I thought, you know, things like diversity goals and things were just the opposite. It's like, you know, people should stand on their own two feet and that's all it should be. He completely changed his mind after the training. Janine Prime is a psychologist by background and says it's notoriously difficult to get people to change long-held beliefs because they're core to the way we frame the world around us. But she found the training the Rockwell Automation guys did altered how they thought about the world in many ways. One of which is that men started really letting go of this idea that the workplace is a meritocracy. Which may sound like a controversial statement in itself. Lee Shant says he absolutely believed that everyone, regardless of race or sex, got ahead on their merits or was held back by the lack of them. If someone moaned about the workplace not being fair, you'd get little sympathy from him. He did not buy the idea of white male privilege. He says what started to change his mind was the way the training opened him to seeing the world from other people's perspectives. He says in one session, different groups of people, like women or African-Americans, would leave the room while the remaining groups would write down questions they'd always wanted to ask the others but were too uncomfortable to voice. 
like, why do you think this, or why do you do this, or, you know, I can tell you one of the questions that got written down in my group was, you know, so, so why do the African Americans sit together in a room when they come to a meeting? And one of the African American males in the session with me said, you know, that, that question, like, why would, why, why do we sit together? Because it's the only time I get to be by somebody like me in the day. And I remember thinking, that doesn't happen to the white males. Actually, that question got asked to the women as well, and it was almost an identical answer. It's like, hey, I'm out in an office by myself, and it's the only time I get to be around another woman and have the same experience. He says the trainings helped him listen to and communicate better with women and minority colleagues. It's even helped on the home front. It's something as simple as, um, and you, you, you'll, you'll probably laugh at it as a woman, but, you know, that, hey, when my wife comes to me to talk to me about something, she doesn't necessarily want me to solve it. She's just looking for me to listen and tell her I understand. And, and she does, in fact, she doesn't need me to solve it all the time. So it definitely impacted me there and certainly at work because, you know, what I realized is I really will probably never understand what it's like to walk in the shoes of a woman in a male-dominated work in a, in a, in a technology industry like we're in. Um, but I certainly can be willing to talk about it and start to understand more of it. Lee Shantz of Rockwell Automation, who survived his white male sensitivity training and even thrived. In the next part of the show, we talk to a woman who wishes her bosses had been through something like that. It was a giant shock to walk into a building and be one of very few people who looked like me and one of even fewer people who looked like me and was doing the kinds of jobs or the kind of work that I was doing at the time. Coming up next. This episode of The Broad Experience is sponsored by SoundCloud. SoundCloud lets you create, record and share the sounds you create anywhere to friends, family and the world. SoundCloud is the world's largest community of sound creators. Stacey Marie Ishmael was born and raised in Trinidad. She went to college at the London School of Economics. Soon after graduating, she was offered a job as a reporter at a prestigious global publication based in London. She hadn't been there long when she began to realise just how much of a minority she was. Many of her colleagues and superiors were Oxford and Cambridge-educated white men. And explain to those of us that haven't, haven't been in that position, I mean, what does that feel like? Especially as this was your first sort of <laughs> adult job, right? Right. I, I didn't know what the rules were. So I was raised in the Caribbean. I graduated from very, very good schools there. You know, I was always kind of at the top of my class. And so I didn't know how to behave in any other way. So like, how, how do I explain this? I would always put my hand up in school. And then when I went to LSE, I would speak up. I was involved in student politics, things like that. And then I get into this company and I say something in a meeting and there's a silence. <laughs> and people look at me like, oh, you know, because even though I was a reporter, even though this is what I was supposed to be doing, it was easy to forget that that is what I was supposed to be doing because I didn't look like I was supposed to be there. And it was never kind of an explicit thing, but I very often felt that I either didn't know the rules or I was breaking them. You know, like I was speaking out of turn or I had ideas above my station and I was made to feel that way more than once. She says she found herself consciously altering her behavior, phrasing things in a more deferential way so as not to offend. It was tiring. 
But while she struggled on some fronts, she excelled on others. She was at the company for five years, got promoted and got the chance to do a bunch of journalism jobs that many other reporters in their 20s would envy. But you did, I mean, you did very well at this company, right? I mean, by anyone's uh, standards. I had a great time. <laughs> it, was, it was definitely fun. But one of the reasons I left is because I kind of got to a point where the, the self-censorship was wearing on me. You know, I constantly felt that I had to apologize before I started any sentence. You know, it's, I had to lead and I had to manage at a relatively young age compared to quite a lot of the other, you know, people in those kinds of positions. And when you are young, having to be in meetings with people older than you are, far more senior than you are, and essentially leading that meeting or leading that discussion, that's already an awkward dynamic. To do that and be a woman is another awkward dynamic. You know, women in management, litanies of casework have been written about the perceptions of women who are leaders. And then, you know, just not really ever fitting in to kind of the cultures and things like that. I, I just generally found the UK to be a challenging place. You know, I would go to, I was a finance reporter, I would go to some kind of mega conference in the city of London. The only other brown people in the room would be serving tea. And it was, I was constantly dealing with these kinds of dynamics. Or I would go into a meeting to interview somebody and the person would ask, so when's the reporter coming? Like, hi, it's me. (laughs) Good to meet you. Let me just, you know, start taking notes. And so it just got to the point where I was tired of having to navigate that and also having to kind of mollify the people around me. It just got to be too exhausting. So if her company had provided some kind of sensitivity training for the white men, what would she have wanted them to get out of it? I wish they could have seen that I wasn't, I wasn't angry. This is feedback that I got all the time, which is, you know, you come across as really hostile or like, why are you always so serious or your emails are so toose. And so I wish they realized that I had to be very, very careful at work in the way that I presented myself in everything that I said, you know, to be a woman at work and being emotional is just kind of career suicide for a bunch of reasons. And I was always overcompensating. I was overcompensating for being young. I was overcompensating for not knowing the rules, you know. So everything that I did, everything that I said was extremely guarded. And that guardedness of being in an awkward situation and trying to fit into that awkward situation was definitively interpreted as me being hostile and angry and prickly. And that, I think, you know, that actually hurt, that, that impression, you know, to, to hear it all the time when it was just kind of me trying to have to not be myself, effectively. Yeah, I bet, and, I, and hearing that, that makes me think of the British culture where they like everything to be very jokey and everyone to be able to take a joke and everything to be sarcastic and kind of not serious. Right. And I... <laughs> You know, it's weird because I would see male colleagues scream at people, swear, you know, bloody murder across the newsroom. And nobody ever thought of them as angry. (laughs) But I was insufficiently friendly. You know, that was kind of the impression. And, you know, insufficiently friendly is putting it rather mildly. And that, that was just a source of great pain and frustration. You know, I wish that they could... They could understand that when you are in a position of power and privilege, everything can be a joke to you. 
you know, that because everything that you say isn't being scrutinized 10 ways till Sunday. Whereas every single thing that I did was looked at so much more carefully and that I had to represent or that I was taken to represent so much more all the time that I, I just couldn't loosen up. I couldn't just be myself. I couldn't just have a laugh or whatever it was. Stacy Marie Ishmael, who now works for Percolate, a startup in New York, she does nothing but laugh these days. That's the Broad Experience for this week. You can like our Facebook page and sign up for the newsletter on thebroadexperience.com. Please let me know what you think of the show. I'm Ashley Milne-Tite. Thanks for listening. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavourless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Mm.